Good evening, everybody. Episode 114, and hello, dummies. Wonderful to have you back. Don't take offense. Don't take offense. The dummies are the dumb nation. These are the people who watch Don't Unfriend Me, and it's very cleverly named the DUMs, the Don't Unfriend Me's, which turn into the dummies. Dave Portnoy has his stoolies. We have dummies. I'll take my stoolies. We also have another form of dummies, which we're going to talk about tonight, which are a special kind of sucker called the dum-dums. And for this week already, although it is the end of the week, we have a very special dum-dum to talk about tonight. His name is Theodore or Theo or Teddy or Ted. I'm not quite sure, but we're going to talk about him tonight. And he kind of came on and had some things to say that I found not offensive. It was dialogue and conversation, but then it started into a racist trope. And I'll be honest, I... I haven't seen a lot of reverse racism in my life. A little bit. There was one. There was a beautiful actress, and her name was Erica Alexander, and she was on The Cosby Show. And she's also an activist. She supported Hillary Clinton. And we had single-handedly the greatest conversation I think I've ever had with a human being. My single-serving friend, right, you know, on Southwest Airlines as Brad Pitt and Fight Club, the single-serving friends. And I sat next to her, and she was in flip-flops and pajamas pretty much, and her hair wasn't done up, and she was just beautiful. And I sat next to her, and there was this immediate tension that you find in most interactions, whether you're honest or not. When you sit next to a person of color, there's an immediate feeling of uncomfortability, and, and for some people, it lasts throughout the entire interaction, and some people, it lasts for just a second. For me, it was just a second. But it's still there, and there is truth to it, and you can say it's not, but please, if you're a woman, go to a baby shower with all black women. Let me know what you think. And if you're a guy, go watch football with a bunch of just black men, and if you're white, and vice versa. And that uncomfortability or that thought or that checking the room or that whatever will happen for a fraction of a second. And I don't think we can put black, white, brown, green on it. We, we just, everybody will feel uncomfortable in certain situations where they don't know people. So maybe it's just hypersensitive when it's people of color because we're recognizing and having our own white guilt at the time. I don't know. It's a whole nother conversation. And honestly, probably a really interesting one to have if we're being self-reflective. But either way, alas, I'm digressing. The point is, there was that moment, I'm going to sit next to this lady, it's going to be a three-and-a-half-hour flight, am I going to be able to relate, have conversation, or is this going to be a quiet trip? And literally, we did not stop talking for three-and-a-half hours. And I found out she was on the Cosby show. She asked me about my military service. We talked about Hillary Clinton's politics. We talked about racism, Malcolm X, George Wallace, Civil War, Abraham Lincoln, the Ku Klux Klan, Black Panthers, skinheads, the Nazis, Jewish people, apartheid in South Africa. It was single-handedly the greatest conversation I ever had. And we became fast friends. And we went ahead and shared Facebook pages. And it was my... We're going to be, we're heading to my wife's uh, baby shower. She was, and I was, and I was coming back from a trip and we were going into, I think Arizona, if I, maybe, I, I don't remember, maybe it wasn't even the baby shower. It doesn't matter. I was traveling and I was going to see my wife and I hadn't seen her in a while. And that happens a lot because I've moved around a lot. 
And the event we were going to, like I said, I don't know what it was, but we invited her. I invited her. And she called me that night and she's like, listen, I'm ready to come. Let's do this. And I'm like, some things changed. I apologize, whatever. And it was like no hard feelings. And we wound up staying in contact for like two years. And I would post things and she would come on and I'm like, oh my gosh, I know a celebrity. This is awesome. And I still hold a very dear place in my heart. I think if she saw my show, she would be so disappointed in me. And not because I'm doing something wrong, but because I know now that the things that I talk about makes her just crazy. And although we talked about those things in person, something about the digital ones and zeros has nullified that interaction of human connectivity that either of us can't really see through the feelings and and the issues that it brings. So it was just a comment and she made a post on Facebook that, and I paraphrase and please, I don't want to misrepresent her, but it, it basically said, you know, white privilege is real and all white people are inherently racist. And I was so offended and I saw her friends come in, white friends, just trampling the white race, trampling other minorities, trampling Jewish people. And it was vile. You know, white people are the cause. They're so ignorant to who they are. One day they'll wake up like I did. And I'm listening to this virtue signaling of them just literally kissing her ass and telling her what she wants to hear more than what they believe. And I know they don't believe this. And, 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 and it was just so fake to me. It was so contrived. And I just listened and over and over. And I just said, Erica, I'm, I'm so disappointed in you. I've worked for everything I've had. I, I reflect on our conversation. And that's the way I've lived my life is to be aware that sometimes I can apply things to other races and treat them differently in my head, whether that be a fraction of a second or always. And, and I'm aware of the hardships that African-Americans have gone through. And I am an advocate for standing up for all Americans and, I don't believe I have an ill bone in my body towards people of color. It just hurt me that you know what I've been through. And I find it shocking that you're not standing up for people who you do know. And the funny thing is, is I look at it now, and that was me being ultra sensitive, right? She may not have been talking about me. And I tell it to people, don't apply it to yourself if it's not about you. But I've grown up since then. And this was a long time ago. But the thing that I found most intriguing about this is that when she came on, there was no, hey, it's Matt. You guys, Matt's one of the good ones. Matt's a good guy. And although inherently that's racist, at least it's not towards me. And I was, I was hurt. I was offended. I don't get offended anymore, but I was then. And her comment was, I love you but you're white and overall you're the enemy paraphrasing. And I defriended her and I was so mad and so upset. And I realized something that day is that we can misconstrue things that we can assume things and that we can assume because we've had an impact on 
somebody's life, that it's a major impact and it protects us from all future dealings. And that's not the truth. Every topic on a long enough timeline, if it is encroached upon, can end a friendship. I've learned this with girlfriends about religion. I've learned about abortion, racism, sexism, feminism. And, And the whole thing is, to me, that was reverse racist at the time. And now I think about it, and it's simply the compound, the chemical addition of social media and the endorphin hit is that people like and must have people that agree with them on Facebook. And if they don't have it, it detaches them from the feelings that they get on Facebook of pleasure when they see a like. And they can have a hundred likes and they see one angry face and it ruins their day. I'm one of those people. All the good that I've done on my site, 10,000 people ready to follow, we're almost there. And one guy comes on and says something and I immediately am like, Am I doing the right thing? Is this show worth it? Am I offending people of color? Because this person blatantly, not this person, Theodore, pardon me, that's horrible. Theodore essentially called me a racist. And to me, that's something that will still get my goat. So we're going to talk about it tonight. And we're going to talk about this big party switch that supposedly happened, how racism just came into the Republican Party and left the Democrats after hundreds of years. And it is one of the largest lies perpetuated on the American people, and we're going to talk about it tonight. So when I was reading Theodore's post, there were some words in there that I didn't quite understand. I later found out it's because they weren't really words. And no fault of his own. I'm sure he meant something else. And I gave him a chance to retort, but alas, he escaped as quickly as he came. But one of the big things that I look for is to break words down. And I want to find out if they are old English or whether they're from Latin. And I play a little game. Some people play six degrees of separation. Some are Kevin Bacon. Some people play hide and seek. Some people play mind games and others play park the platypus or just the tip just to see how it feels. No judgment, whatever game you want to play. The game I play is word entomology, if you will which I understand that's about plants and everything else, but it's the word. Where did it come from? Where did it derive from? And I break the word down and then I play a game and try to see if I can guess its meaning. I never said I was fun. I just said it was a game, at least in my head. So the word today was politics. And actually politics is derived from two words. The first is poly, which is Greek. And it means many. Poly means many. And ticks, meaning blood-sucking parasites. Recorded from an undisclosed location. Always honest. Always direct. So sit back. Relax. Don't unfriend me starts right now. Welcome to Don't Unfriend Me Outside the Lines, folks. Once again, it is good to have the dummies here. I appreciate you more than you know. Dummies are fantastic. They are the Don't Unfriend Me's, um, as all of you should know. And if you're watching this show for the first time or the last time, you're Don't Unfriend Me. As someone clever said on my ad yesterday, I guess this is focused on the negative. How do I Don't Unfriend This Ad? It's hilarious. 
It's good, good, it's good. And obviously he didn't like the show, but then there's the people who are the just the dum-dums. They're the special kinds of suckers. And I believe Theodore is one of them. And I'm going to talk about him because the entire show is dedicated to him. And the interesting thing is, is I'm sure he will watch the entire show, even though he despises me and consider me to be a racist. Why? Well, we've dove into that before. People who watch Howard Stern, who love him, watch him for 42 minutes a day. And the people who hate him watch him for 67 minutes a day. Why? Just to see what he says next. And both are the same reason. So let's find out what I say next, Teddy. And here it is. Theodore Brown entered my universe and my orbit two days ago. And his comment was on the reparations episode I did two nights ago before the Dr. Seuss episode. And he says, and I quote, it baffles me people who ancestors wasn't in this country 200 years speaking on reparations. I'm going to try to break it down. My ancestors were here 200 years ago. Thank you very much. But anyway, it doesn't matter. How about black folk? Do you the same to y'all? He's trying to say if black people put white people in chains, okay, and our descendants come up with the same retarded, hey, that's not politically correct, bro, deflections, it would be storm on the Capitol too. Now, I apologize. I am not trying to make fun of Theodore. He is a very articulate person. Because I can listen to what he's trying to say and I interpret what he's saying. And it goes a little something like this to, to, to properly represent him. It baffles me. People who have ancestors who were not in this country 200 years who are speaking on reparations. How about all the black folk in the world do the same to white people and our descendants come up with the same ridiculous deflections? For you, it would be storm the capital 2.0. It's better. It's a very good argument. And that's why I responded. All I said was, I can't decide if you are for or against. His comment back to me was, it's called justice in caps. Justice. You only have to capitalize the first J if it's a proper name. Just let you know. I said at Theodore Brown, you obviously didn't watch the show. The show had nothing to do with justice, which it didn't. It had to do with reparations and how they were unconstitutional. We didn't discuss justice. And I specifically said I wasn't going to discuss justice. And if justice for the African-American community is giving them 40 acres and a mule, we will horribly deserve the African-American community. 620,000 people dying. We'll go into that. He says, I did, and I want my 44 minutes back. It's clever. It's actually 44 minutes and 34 seconds, but... You watched the parts where you should have, and I'm really happy you watched it. He says reparations is justice, but there's no justice in the majority of hearts of white people. Whoa, (laughs) here we go. And I said, Theodore, add it to your list of ridiculous demands. 44 minutes back and reparations. I don't think he liked that. He says, I can't wait for that day. I bet you people (laughs) will start a war. As Emperor Palpatine once said, let the hate flow through you. It's a mixture of Palpatine and Yoda. This is my reply. Comes down to this, Theo. There is no policy that can give you 44 minutes of your life back. There is also no such policy that can heal the damage of slavery. Apologies would be scoffed at. Reparations would never be enough. And it wouldn't solve the depressed areas of the inner cities due to liberal politics. Have 
Having modern-day Americans pay for something they had nothing to do with is unconstitutional. Sorry, Theo. You can't quit work tomorrow. Have a good night and hold your breath for 44 minutes and see if that works. And then I also follow up with Star Wars reference and racist tropes. Nerds are supposed to be inclusive, homie. And then the last part. Oh, and us people already fought a war and 620,000 Americans died for the abolishment or sustainment of slavery. You are the only one holding on to hate. How do I bring this up? So I can be clever and out talk somebody and be, be a master debater. No, cause I'm not, I've lost many conversations and I lose many conversations in my head. Well, I play chess against myself and lose. That's terrifying. And there are many times where I will get into an argument with somebody and I won't win. And I don't have the disillusioned thought that I will win. But I also get feedback from the show is, Matt, get to the point. Well, you guys, this show is not going to be seven-minute, five-minute sound bites. There are times where I'm navigating through my conclusion during the show. And that's the whole point of this. And if you think I can sum up two sides to this story, three sides, ten sides, a hundred different sides when it comes to abortion, because there's a plenty of arguments for religion and abortion and racism and all of the things in the world, even sports, Everyone has a different opinion. It's difficult to get to a point quickly, and I'm not good at it. So if that doesn't excite you, this show isn't for you. But tonight we will do the same thing we always do, which is go through it, and we will end on a point. And we will make several throughout the show. And I hope Theodore will listen for 44 minutes. And I give him credit for one thing, is my hat is off to you for watching and having an opinion. And all joking aside, because I like to kid, I admire your tenacity. I admire your ability to articulate your thoughts, no matter how much I disagree with them. And I encourage everybody on here to do it. There were times that he was disrespectful, but I don't think he was pointing it at me. I think there's things that he said that were racist, but I don't think that was his intent. There's frustration out there. And there's real problems with the way that African-Americans have been treated in the United States of America. And we need to come to grips with that. And we need to do something about it. I don't believe reparations are the answer. I don't believe paying off a society of people is ever the answer. Because it didn't work for Jewish Americans. And it didn't work for Japanese Americans. It didn't work for women. It's not going to work for African-Americans. We have to change the policies. So let's get into this. What are we going to talk about? Well, we're going to talk about this. Who's responsible for this racist ideology that's in the United States today? And honestly, nobody. There's not one party. It's not the Democrats' fault. They were on the wrong side of history, as the Republicans have been on the wrong side of history. And I believe Democrats are on the wrong side of history now. That's why I have a hard time defending them. The show doesn't say, I'll defend both sides equally. I defend the Democrats when they deserve to be defended. I've done it on my show, and it may not be as much as I rip on them, but that's because I think they are morally reprehensible at this point. More leftists than Democrats and liberals. So let's get into this. We're, we're, we're deep into this show, and I don't think it's going to take as long as usual, but it's already 20 minutes. President Joe Biden's choice for leading position at the Department of Defense previously referred to the Republican Party as party, the party of ethnic cleansing. 
a 2019 tweet, Colin Call, a former Obama administration official who is not who was nominated by President Joe Biden for his choice for leading Department of Defense, previously previously referred to the Republican Party as thus. He previously called the GOP a clown show in 2017 and ripped the party after former President Donald Trump announced the decision to withdraw U.S. troops from Syria in 2019. The GOP used to pride itself as a party that put values front and center in the U.S. foreign policy, he wrote. Now, as they debase themselves at the altar, he spelled it wrong, of Trump, they are the party of ethnic cleansing. Call also claimed, I'm going to call him Khan because it just looks like Khan, the wrath of Call also claimed that the legislators, that's making fun of Keith Olbermann, look it up, who opposed the nuclear deal with Iran have been pushing for war for decades. In another tweet from 2019, Hawks in Congress think tanks and the NSC pushed Trump to shred the last vestiges of the Iran deal. Waivers on civilian nuclear projects implement the accord. He wrote, shorter version, they won't be satisfied until they get the war they've pushed for. Hmm. One of Biden's previous nominees for the Senate confirmed post Neera Tandon was withdrawn after her comments about the Republicans came under scrutiny. I find it ironic that Democrats keep talking. They take some time and take some time to look back and, and remember all of the things that have happened over our history. But they don't actually take the time to apply it where it truly lays. Democratic Party has stood on racism over the years. Republicans have made bad choices too, but inherently it falls within the Democratic Party. Here's some facts on how Democrats have viewed people of color. The party's platforms at their national conventions of 1840, 1844, 1852, and 1859 stated that Congress has no power under the Constitution to interfere or control the domestic institutions of the several states, and that such states are the sole and proper judges of everything appertaining to their own affairs, not prohibited by the Constitution, that all efforts of the abolitionists or others made to induce Congress to interfere with questions of slavery are calculated to lead to the most alarming and dangerous consequences, consequences, and that all such efforts have an inevitable tendency to diminish the happiness of the people and endanger the stability and permanency of the Union and not, not to be contested by any friend of our political institutions. Holy crap. In 1856, they added that new states to the Union should be admitted with or without domestic slavery, as the state may elect, and we recognize the right of the people of the territories to form a constitution with or without domestic slavery. This is in 1860. This 1860 platform upheld the Fugitive Slave Act, stating the enactments of the state legislatures to defeat the faithful execution of the Fugitive Slave Law are hostile in character, subversive of the Constitution, and revolutionary in their effect. In 1862, the Republican president, Abraham Lincoln, issued the Emancipation Proclamation, which said that all persons held as slaves shall be forever free. The 14th Amendment, which gave full citizenship to freed slaves, was passed in 1868 with 94% Republican support and no Democratic support in Congress. No Democratic support in Congress. The 15th Amendment, giving freed slaves the right to vote, passed in 1870 with unanimous Republican support and no Democratic support in Congress. 
1912, the Democratic president, Woodrow Wilson, began a racial segregation policy for government employees. More recently, in 1964, there was the Southern Democrats' 75-day filibuster against the Civil Rights Act. Northern Democrats supported the act, which is true. And these were centrists. These were middle-of-the-road, blue-collar Democrats, which are the backbone of the world, or the United States. Very similar to conservative, Midwestern conservatives. Who do you think enacted and enforced the Jim Crow laws? Who do you think passed legislation breaking up black families? Who do you think supports the killing of 900 black babies every day? Even though African Americans are 13% of the population, 30% of all abortions are of black babies. Doesn't this sound like eugenics, selective breeding to you? What about the ruinous riots in the major Democratic-run cities and states? Is allowing this lawlessness to continue helping anyone or anything, including black lives? With the Democratic Party's track record, I have to wonder just how they plan to correct the racism that they have participated in and protected over the years. This is the party of the Ku Klux Klan, after all. This is the party that hunted down people in the Underground Railroad. This is the party that put a hit on Abraham Lincoln. This is the party that went after to kill Frederick Douglass. We have to start opening up our eyes because there was no party switch ever. It didn't happen. It is the biggest lie. And this is what the Democrats say. Oh, we didn't find and found the Ku Klux Klan, Jim Crow laws. We weren't against civil rights. The party switched. It's not true. And I'm going to tell you why tonight. And I'm going to give you the facts. And I'm going to tell you honestly. But the next time a leftist tells you that you are the party of racists and not the party of Lincoln, It's a lie. The history books are not accurate. It is inaccurate. And a lot of the things they say about the South are lies. And people need to understand. But if you read a book, any book, even the liberal books that talk about this, there's one that bases it on supposition and conjecture, and the other one has facts and numbers. And it's always the Republican side that does. Once upon a time, every student of history, and that meant pretty much everyone with a high school education, knew this. The Democratic Party was the party of slavery and Jim Crow, and the Republican Party was the party of emancipation and racial integration, period. Period. Democrats were the Confederacy and Republicans were the Union. Jim Crow Democrats were dominant in the South and socially tolerant Republicans and blue-collar Democrats were dominant in the North. But then in the 1960s and 70s, everything supposedly flipped. Suddenly, the Republicans became the racists and the Democrats became the champions of civil rights. This is fabricated by the left-leaning academic elites and journalists. The story went like this. Republicans couldn't win a national election by appealing to the better nature of the country. They can only win by appealing to the worst. They attributed to the Richard Nixon, the media's all-purpose bad guy. This came to be known as the Southern strategy. It was very simple. Win elections by winning the South, and to win the South, appeal to the racists. So the Republicans, the party of Lincoln, were to now be labeled the party of rednecks. But this story of the two-party switching identities is a myth. In fact, it's three myths wrapped into one, and it's a false narrative. Before we take a look at that, I will show you proof that this is a false narrative. And if we look at a diagram where it comes to who voted 
for George Wallace, and I apologize for the brightness of that image. You will see, and remember this, is that in 1972, it used to be that Democrats were the red party and Republicans were the blue party. ABC News and TVs changed in color, and a lot of news stations followed ABC News' color scheme to avoid confusion amongst the networks. So, not that that has anything to do with it, but the media did start playing these games, and once ABC switched it, we found that these colors were opposite. And the blue became the Democrats, and the red became the Republicans. And when it was first put on with the other stations, their reasoning was the blue represented the union and freedom and small states and small government and taxes. And the red represent socialists and left-leaners. Hilarious. And when all the stations lined up with ABC, the color switched. But there was a very purposeful reason why these colors were applied, not just because color TV in 1972. But if you look, there was an election between Nixon, who nationally was not very popular, and lost against Kennedy and got his just behind throttled against Kennedy. But what happened was that in 1968, he won 301 electoral votes. Humphrey, who was a Democrat, not very popular, Hubert Humphrey, won 191 But there was a third candidate which was introduced, which was an independent candidate who won 46 electoral votes. And he predominantly won the South, minus Virginia, the Carolinas, Florida, and Texas. But he did win the lower southern, deepest southern states. And if you follow the projections of previous years, those southern states that did go to George Wallace were Democrats and had voted Democrat pretty much all the time except for Lyndon Baines Johnson. And the reason why is because in the Deep South, there was inherent racism, and it had been that way since the Civil War. And they were predominantly Democrats. And how do you know this? It's really simple, because the Democrat frontrunner in that year, which was Hubert Humphrey, lost. And they went with George Wallace. And why? Because he is the only open, 100% open racist candidate in the last 100 years who supported the Ku Klux Klan, Jim Crow laws, segregation, and everything else. And he was assassinated for his beliefs. The Democrats voted with him to a man and woman in the South. And if you look at the progression, which I will show you a map over the last 50, 60, 70 years of voting, you will see that there is ebb and flows and the South has went both ways. The United States usually votes with a candidate that they most align with. And it doesn't matter if you're from the North or South. This whole trope that the party switched is untrue. And there's another slide that I will show you, which also is very interesting, which shows the alignment of all of the states. If women just voted and they were the only demographic to vote, if men just voted and if minorities just voted. And the minorities just voted 50 out of 50 states would vote Democrat. And the reason why that's important is that that was the Democrats' platform. The Democrats realized that without the South and without the minority vote, they were never going to win the North because there were Northern Democrats and Republicans there. And it was a very large number of people. And that's where all the population was at during those times, less than the coast. And even West Coast California and New York were voting Republican. So they went after the South. 
And they didn't go after the white supremacists or the racists. They went after the minorities. And when they did that, the Democrats changed their policies. But their racist policies and keeping minorities down never changed. And keeping them on social programs never changed. And giving them just enough to survive never changed. And this is the greatest lie perpetuated and given by the Democrats as to why Republicans are racists. And it's a lie. There are Republicans who are racist, folks, but it has nothing to do with a party switch. Let's take a brief look at each one of these myths. Myth number one, in order to be competitive in the South, Republicans started to pander to white racists in the 1960s. We were already competitive. We literally ran the table in 75% of the states often. We were very, very successful. Republicans actually became competitive in the South as early as 1928 when Herbert Hoover won over 47% of the South's popular vote against Democrat Al Smith. In 1952, Republican Dwight D. Eisenhower won the southern states of Tennessee, Florida, and Virginia. And in 56, he picked up Louisiana, Kentucky, and West Virginia, too. And that was after the support after he supported the Supreme Court decision in Brown versus the Board of Education that desegregated public schools. And after he sent the 101st Airborne to Little Rock Central High School to enforce integration. Myth number two, Southern Democrats angry with the Civil Rights Act of 1964 switched parties. Fact, of the 21 Democratic senators who opposed the Civil Rights Act, of the 21, just one became a Republican. The other 20 continued to be elected as Democrats or were replaced by other Democrats. On average, those 20 seats did not go Republican for another two and a half decades. It's a lie. Myth number three, since the implementation of the Southern strategy, the Republicans have dominated the South. Fact, Richard Nixon, the man who is often credited with cheating the Southern, creating the Southern strategy, lost the Deep South in 68. In contrast, Democrat Jimmy Carter nearly swept the region in 76, 12 years after the Civil Rights Act of 1964. And in 1992, over 28 years later, Democrat Bill Clinton won Georgia, Louisiana, Arkansas, Tennessee, Kentucky, and West Virginia. The truth is Republicans didn't hold a majority of the Southern congressional seats until 1994, 30 years after the Civil Rights Act. As Kevin Williamson of the National Review writes, if Southern rednecks ditched the Democrats because of a civil rights law passed in 64, it is strange that they waited until the late 1980s and early 1990s to do so. They say things move slower in the South, but not that slow. So what's really happened? Why does the South now vote overwhelmingly Republican, minus this election, which was extremely contested, and a lot of speculation that there were votes that did not need to be sent out, and probably why Joe Biden won, because he was the most boring candidate ever. Because the South itself has changed its values, and its values have changed, the racism that once defined it doesn't any doesn't happen anymore to the extent it once did. Its value today are values today are conservative ones, pro-life, pro-gun, and pro-small government. And here's the proof: Southern whites are far more likely to vote for a black conservative like Senator Tim Scott of South Carolina than a white liberal. In short, history has moved on. Like other regions of the country, the South votes values, not skin color. The myth of the Southern strategy is just the Democratic's excuse for losing the South, and it was unattainable for them for so many years. And yet another way to smear Republicans with the label racist. Don't buy it. Final thoughts. 
The thoughts of the major political switch, it's utter and complete tripe. With the Civil Rights Act of 1964 and the Voting Rights Act shortly thereafter, Republicans, after 100 years of struggle, finally ended all possibilities of Democrats enacting any more racist legislation. The racist past of the Democratic Party began with the Jackson's Trail of Tears, followed by slavery, succession, apprentice laws, Jim Crow, and segregation with the advent of the CRA of 1964. And the VRA, LBJ, had one option to secure the black vote, and one option only, and that was to purchase and buy it. So he enacted the Great Society, and we all know the racist-laden rants he uttered in private about African Americans with such glee. He felt that this end around would earn the Democratic Party the black vote for years to come, although he used very different words to describe the black vote. I'm not going to go into them. The Southern strategy is often used as a talking point by guilt-ridden leftists who are trying desperately to shift their racist past onto the backs of Republicans. The fact is that the Southern strategy had nothing whatsoever to do with racism. Southerners were independent and strong-willed, respected the platform of small government and low taxes, supported by a populace who espoused personal responsibility. That's why JFK carried the entire South. The last Democrat to do so, except for Georgia, which was extremely close, LBJ totally reversed JFK's policy. He turned the party 180 degrees from small government and low taxes to bloated government and nanny state entitlements to buy votes. Nixon knew that white Southerners who had voted Democrat for generations would stick with JFK's platform of low taxes, small government, and personal responsibility. Race was absolutely not a factor. So he appealed to Southerners based on a platform largely espoused by JFK, who is most certainly no racist. That's why the South has migrated to the Republican Party. This article is second grade. This comment is second grade. The the platform is second grade. And it's an analysis laced in lies and deceit, and it's a feeble and falsehood-ridden attempt to project the sins of the Democratic Party to the opposition. It doesn't mean that all Democrats and liberals are racist now, just like they project onto us. But what is past is prologue, and nothing has changed. I have said this, that slave plantations are alive and well today in the United States, and it is, most assuredly, the inner cities. There is so much mudslinging going on that it's hard to tell the truth but simply put this label is unfounded and it needs to end it's not an accurate representation of the history and essentially we saw it with donald trump the democrats knew they were going to lose a large portion of the african-american and hispanic vote and cuban vote in florida and when they saw this they knew they were going to lose they knew this in the primaries Everyone knew it. Joe Biden lost three states before he won South Carolina. Why? Or was it North? I don't know. It's a Carolina. Who cares? The point is, they knew. And then all of a sudden, he comes back against Pete Buttigieg and Bernie Sanders. Why? How? There was one thing I've said, and I will always say, is the mail-in ballot system was also the first time that a lot of those states in the primary had ever done so, including Michigan and Wisconsin and went to 100% mail-in balloting. Democrats flooded the United States with free ballots, like Jim McMahon does with sweepstakes. 
hoping that people will continue to pay money for magazine subscriptions they don't want and make billions so they can give away a few million. This is the same thing. Democrats understand that if they lose the minority vote, they will never win another election unless they give it to 16-year-olds and felons. And that's exactly where they want to go because they understand that people are waking up to this. People like Candace Owens. There are a bunch of conservatives who are standing up and saying that these are lies, and I'm one of them. So the next time you come onto YouTube and the next time you go onto Facebook and somebody says exactly what this show has been about, that there was a giant party switch, I want you to do me a favor. Don't link this video. Say it yourself. There's nothing more frustrating when I am in an argument and I see people who have the ability to defend themselves, let someone else speak for them. You know the facts. These are the facts. Start having dialogue. Have discourse. It's healthy. Stand up for your conservative beliefs. And stand down the people who continue to lie upon you and your party. There are plenty of things Republicans should be ashamed for. Being racist over American history is not one of them. Folks, thank you for joining me tonight. I appreciate it. You can like, share, subscribe, all of that other stuff right here. Here's all my my handles. I didn't put it in. I'll put it in in post. You'll see it there. I appreciate it. You can also go to YouTube and like, share, and subscribe as well. And follow me on Facebook. We're almost at 10,000. Please share and like this. It helps. If you watch two minutes of it, throw me a like. It helps every time on every video. It gets the word out there, and I appreciate it. Last thing, Veteran Crisis Hotline, 1-800-273-8255, press 1. This is a very difficult thing going on in the world today. 22 veterans a day commit suicide. It's too many. We need your help. Veterans need your help. Traumatic brain injury, anxiety, depression, PTS are very serious. And veterans are taking their own lives because they can't get the help that they need and deserve. Please help them reach out to this number. If you can't, Call me. I will help. Send me a DM. I will make that phone call to that veteran, and we can hopefully get them the help they need. And if at a last resort, go to donutfriendly.com. Click on the VCL link, and you'll be connected via Skype to a counselor. Also, if you are not a veteran, you can get the help you need, too. They turn nobody away, even if you're a civilian. www.donutfriendly.com is getting a revamp. It will be soon. I think you're going to like it. Alex and I have been working on it really hard. Folks, thank you so much. I will see you for 115. And I honestly think we may be very close to 10,000 tomorrow. We'll see if we can get that going. Thank you so much. And I will see you tomorrow.